concerning the experience, pain, and trauma of being a U.S. Marine who was blown up by IEDs four times in four months of combat in Fallujah, Iraq, into a beacon of hope and healing through arts and music programs to help U.S. military veterans dealing with post-traumatic stress is an incredibly inspiring journey Richard Casper, co-founder and executive director of the nonprofit organization Creative Vets, shares on this episode of Making Our World Better. Welcome to the Making Our World Better podcast, where you will find motivation and encouragement through lively conversations with inspirational people who every day are making our world a better place. Now, here's your host, Jay Clark. Welcome to the podcast. I am Jay Clark, and I'm excited to have a conversation with Richard Casper, co-founder and executive director of Creative Vets, a nonprofit headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee, with a mission to empower wounded veterans to heal through the arts and music. Can't wait to hear about it. A Purple Heart recipient, Richard served four years as an infantryman in the United States Marine Corps with a combat deployment in Fallujah, Iraq. During his deployment, he was hit by four IEDs, four, in just four short months, causing him to suffer from a traumatic brain injury. Upon returning home, Richard found it hard to adjust and suffered from post-traumatic stress until he discovered the healing power of music and art. After experiencing firsthand the impact music and art had on his own recovery, Richard co-founded Creative Vets to help other veterans who are suffering. I can't wait to unpack all the work they're doing with other veterans. Richard, welcome and thanks for being here. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Well, I'd love to just start with the journey and the history behind founding Creative Vets. Yeah. So I started, uh, I started my military career in 2003, uh, during two, 2001, I was still in high school. It was when the, the towers fell and that gave, that gave me the, uh, the, the kind of like need to go Marine Corps infantry. Cause before that, I, I just wanted to be in the military, like some of my, my, my dad and his uncles and everything, but I didn't have a trajectory. I just knew I wanted to serve. I didn't know what that service looked like. Towers fell all of a sudden. I was like, okay, Marine Corps infantry, first one yeah. overseas. And so I sign up. I have about two weeks after high school, I'm on a bus to go into boot camp or on a plane wow. to boot camp in San Diego. And I started doing my boot camp. And um, it was really weird because I signed up for infantry. And then someone came in during boot camp during the first few weeks and said, had my name on a list for special testers. And I was kind of freaked out at first. Yeah, right. I was like, you don't want to be on a list in boot camp. <laughs> one. Exactly. Um, and then I was like, what do they mean special testers? And I honestly thought it was because in high school, I kind of screwed around because I knew I was going to the military. So the state standardized testing, I'd just go right down the middle. C, 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 C. <laughs> I didn't like, I was young and dumb. I just didn't really care because I didn't think college was in my future. Yeah. And so they come and say, I'm a special tester. Now I'm thinking like, they think I'm one of the special Marines. And I need to go, you know, over here and, and serve, <laughs> you know, they may give me a helmet or something and just be like, you're special. You go over here. Um, but that was not the case. The one, the one test I actually tried on was the ASVAB. And so like to get into the military. And so I guess my scores are pretty high in there. And so throughout this process of them going from, I don't even know, like 300, 400 Marines from a bunch of different uh, classes in boot camp, they had a bunch of us going in these rooms, talking to psychiatrists, um, doctors, all 
all these different people, and then we leave. And then it's Marine Corps boot camp, so you don't know what's happening. You don't know if this is a normal thing or not. So then you leave, you come back at like in a few weeks, and now there's less Marines there. And then you go again, you come back, and it's down to like 20 of us. And that's wow. when they actually told us that they're like, hey, you have been selected to guard the president of the United States. Oh, either we smoke. Yeah, either Camp David or White House Communications. So here I am already being like, well, this is weird because my trajectory was going straight to war. Yeah. Like, was, it's 2003, like November 2003. I'm, I'm fight or I'm building up for it. I go to the School of Infantry right after boot camp. Again, all my friends that are in, in the class with me are going. They're getting orders to yeah. Fallujah and to Ramadi and all these oh, other man. places. And now yeah. here. I'm going to Camp David. <laughs> I'm going to Washington, uh, D.C. And it was kind of, there's some in my head that kind of fought against that for a little bit too. Sure. Um, but I go from the School of Infantry to Chesapeake, Virginia to get my new billet, which was pretty much security forces. Um, and then I go from there to Washington, D.C. for 11 months as a wait for my clearance to go through. Once my clearance goes through, I went to Camp David under George W. Bush. So for like 14 months, I worked and wow. served at Camp David. But while I was up there, I wasn't doing what I needed to do. Like my heart wasn't in it for that. I loved what I did, but I said, I need to go overseas. So the first opportunity arise and uh, I rose my hand and I was like, I'm out of here. And so I ended up in 29 Palms, California, where that's where I flew off to uh, Fallujah, Iraq. And so wow. in 2006, 2007, I was in Fallujah. And uh, within the first four months, my Humvee was blown up four separate times. And my, buddy, and my buddy was shot and killed beside me. And wow. So, yeah, I had a traumatic brain injury. I had, obviously, very bad survivor guilt. So transitioning at home was what I thought was impossible. And so I come home, and I'm in a very, very dark and bad place. And I ran. It's, it's probably the most random route to finding art. But I was failing all my classes because of my brain injury yeah. at a community college. And I said... I'm still an optimist, so I need to get a degree. But if I if I can't learn new technical skills and and do what I want to do, how do I still get a degree? I have this awesome um, background in guarding the president. So if I just get a degree, I could be a field agent with the FBI or CIA or something. I just need that degree. So I said, you know what? Screw it. I'll do an easy degree in art. So I just start <laughs> taking. I'm a six foot five combat marine with a Harley, like coming <laughs> art art classes, and people are like, what are you doing here? Um, I'm taking like creative writing and doing all this stuff as a cop out as a full cop out to just get a degree and it ended up completely changing my life being able to figure out how to tell my story without actually telling it because that's the big thing we suffer with is right. anybody who's really had trauma is the is talking about it to people who haven't experienced that trauma it's a disconnection you just don't know how to how to process it you want to trust them but you don't trust them and so i was able to create art that had symbolism and um and color in there that evoked emotion from people who all of a sudden connected with me, even though I never talked to about my experience at all, I can create a piece of art that we can now talk about and they relate to me for a little yeah. bit. So I did this huge deep dive into art, modern art, conceptual art, because I had no idea what it was. And uh, it led me to one of the best art schools in the country, the school there in Chicago, uh, where I ended up being enrolled and going through the process of just of learning awesome. how to truly transition my warrior brain to my artist brain through ceramic sculpture, photography, every type of art form. And on the same parallel of doing art, I started doing songwriting because the one issue I still had was if I fully wanted to tell you about my gunner, Luke Epson, who was shot and killed, no. beside, me, <clears throat> shot and killed beside me, I would still cry and I didn't want to do that. So I said, what if I had a song that I could just give to you and walk away? Because I needed you to know he lived, but I couldn't no. tell you that. So 
I started taking <clears throat> learning songwriting and I started asking a friend to teach me a few chords on guitar. And that led me on this path to creating that first song. And after I was done with the song, I was actually like, this is not very good. So I, <laughs> I need the help from professionals. <laughs> and so I met a, uh, a professional songwriter while I was in Chicago. He was up from Nashville just doing a writer's round. And I asked him if he'd take his time with me to help me tell that story. And he said yes. And so traveled to Nashville, wrote with him for three hours. We got a song and a half. I've been trying to write a song for a year about this situation. Right. And we do it a, 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 a like three hours, we get a song and a half. I'm like, this wow. is crazy. No kidding. So I went from like one-on-one -on -one speeches with my speech teacher in college because my anxieties and depression were so bad. So now graduating from the school down in Chicago, writing these songs and telling these stories, and I was back to almost normal. And so I looked back in my life and I said, well, what changed? I didn't go to the VA for any clinical help. I didn't go to any other nonprofit. What changed in me? Ultimately, the thing that changed was I was learning how to tell my story. I was learning it through arts and music. And I was learning how to communicate in any way. So that's what really started the path of saying nothing like this exists. How do I create programs for Richard when I was so bad? Because most veterans aren't going to just fall into what I fell into. It took a lot of different things that had to line up perfectly for me to fall into that. Right. So I was like, I'm going to create programs that help veterans who don't want help. And I'm going to help them through music and songwriting and art. So one of the big challenges to all this has to be, how do you get the word out to guys like you that this is available to them? How, how, have you, how are you, how are you, you know, surmounting that challenge? Well, at first I knew who suffered from my group. And so the very first veteran who ever went through a program was a friend of mine who lost his leg and has burns over 60% of his body. And he was wow. like a childhood friend. And so he doesn't like telling the story, but I was like, Hey, would you come to Nashville with me? Cause we pay for your flights, your food, your housing to come to Nashville. Wow. He'd give you a battle buddy. And I was that battle buddy. And I said, I'll go down there with you, help you tell your story. And we'll sit there with two number one writers and, and you get to like, get everything out. And we'll turn it into a song. He loved music so much. He was like, yes, I want to do this. I want a free trip to Nashville to write my yeah, story. Right. And, um, so from there, he was like, hey, my cousin, who also served in the Marine Corps, is suffering. And then he'd be like, hey, the guy that was in the blast with me is also suffering. And so at, at the very beginning, it was referral based because we yeah. know suffered. But now it's crazy because we have a waiting list of probably three or four hundred veterans. Because wow. every time we have because now we have music that goes out there, we have a ton of nationwide publicity with like people and CNN and Fox yeah. and all these great, great people that find out what we do and they want to highlight it. Yeah. So now we actually have more veterans and money coming in. So that's been the big wow. issue. It's like trying to catch up on funding so that we can help more veterans. So yeah, a lot of nonprofits have an issue finding veterans. And it's weird because we're in the arts space, but we have an abundance who want to do them because we set them up in a way that the veterans' anxieties and impressions are outweighed by excitement. So you're not going to turn down coming to Nashville. And I didn't explain my programs fully, but like our songwriting program, we fly veterans to Nashville from anywhere in the country, pay for their flights, their food, their housing. Wow. Backstage at the Grand Old Opry with number one songwriters and artists about what they went through in war. Dang. And the next day they get to sit in a, in a recording studio and we record all the songs that were created that day. So now these veterans are seeing the other individual veterans song come to life and understand they're wow. not out there. So the whole four day process of just, amazingness and so it's really really hard for anybody to turn that down no kidding well and it had to be 
a little bit of, you know, you went through it yourself and it's like, well, this really worked for me. But then once your friend went through it, it's kind of like proof of concept. Because so I didn't like, think we're, we're onto something here. I, yeah, I went through four years of art and music. So honestly, I didn't think it was going to work as well as it did. I just said, I need to create something. Can it be as little as one songwriting session that could change someone's life? And it absolutely yeah. can. Like we built programs off of that one so that we make sure. But we've had like a three-hour writing session. They're here for four days. The The old program was three days because it was just me running it. Now it's four days. But I tell you what, I mean, legitimately life-saving program because when you don't have the words to express what you're going through yeah. or what it's like to, for some veterans, they had to take a child's life life because of the situation they were put into or they had to watch their friend die. There, there's ways that they just cannot communicate and they'll yeah. take it to the grave. And that's ultimately what ends up making them trigger and, and end up killing themselves. But when you have that release saying it's okay to do it, and not only that, but being excited to talk about it, you have veterans who go in these rooms and say, I can't tell my wife this, but this happened to me. We write that song. And then four hours later, the first person they text the song to is their wife, because uh, it's not about their story anymore. Something in their brain is switched. Like I just wrote a song with the number one writer. I got to share it with everyone. So wow. what we're doing in the session is actually repurposing their memories from negative to positive. So the next time they recall that same incident of that child or their friend, they're going to remember it where they last drew those emotions, which would be the writing session, which they were happy when they left. So it is like clinically like based in science that you can repurpose these memories. And that's what we're doing. But we're not pitching it as, hey, come here. We're doing this kind of clinical like remap in the brain. You're just writing your song. You just have to write it about a situation that you need to really get off your chest. Well, I'm learning a little bit about post-traumatic stress. One of the big pieces of it is finding that space where you you're almost have permission to tell your story. And that's what this is doing. And thanks to you with your experience, it's almost this peer-to-peer -peer thing where you have instant credibility. If I go to these guys, it's going to be a safe place. Yeah, when we first started it, I've always said we need there's friction points to every veteran receiving help. Yeah, it's usually like, it'll be money. It'll be I don't want to leave my house. Um, it'll be I need a battle buddy if I do that. And yeah. it's the exciting kind of thing. So that's why every single veteran from day one has had a peer to peer mentor. For me, it was the first 80 veterans that we served was me being the mentor where I call them and be wow. like, hey, I was blown up four times and my friend died in front of me. What happened to you? And they tell me. Jeez, now, like, you've given right there. You've given them permission. Exactly. I know thing. exactly this, what this you're going me. Exactly. And now we do these programs with five veterans flying to town at once. And we have five mentors who've been through our program who are now the new Richards who wow. are the ones that call them individually. So we bring out 10 veterans at a time, five that are going through the program, five mentors who are helping them go through the program, who are also healing throughout the process and writing another wow. song with them. It's it's a magical thing. But the peer-to-peer -peer is like the, the secret sauce. That is, that is. And, you know, sadly, if trauma isn't dealt with, it leads to, like you're saying, all sorts of bad things. The statistics around veteran suicide are just horrific. More than one in 10 of all suicides is a veteran. So, you know, how hard is it for somebody to, to, to make that first step, is it becoming a little easier to say, you know, I'm, I'm in a dark place like you were and I, and I need some help. Well, a lot of them don't even, the great thing about our programs, cause it is hard for them to say that and reach out to someone because when you look at the VA's data, which is 
there's now the American Word Partnership came out with new data that kind of says there's a lot more suicides than there is than what the VA is saying. But Ugh. when you when you break down their data, it's roughly like it's tw- 20 veterans and military personnel. So active duty reserve veterans, 20 that commit suicide a day, but 14 of those 20 a day. Yeah, a day. But every single day, which is crazy, because when you look at the American Word Partnership data, which they did with Alabama and now they're doing Duke, like it is way higher, but way higher. Yeah, oh. it's I know it's crazy. And there's but 14 of those 20 don't seek help. So when oh. they do the data, they look at like the past two years, if they went to the VA right. or something oh else, other interventions, and 14 of the 20 don't even seek help. Wow. So you have to create these programs that are so exciting that they can't turn down that they don't almost don't even know they're getting help until it's done. And so a lot of these veterans that we talk to. They see the program and they're just like, I want to go write a song. And then we get on the phone with them and they're like, well, I'm not really suffering with much or blah, blah. Then you start with the other peer to peer and they start right. getting into it. They're like, oh my gosh, you know what? I needed this. I had a veteran who reached out to me that I served with who he's like, oh no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I, you help other veterans who need it more. I'm like, hey, Oscar, what I'll do is like, I, and I'll agree with them to the point to get them out here. I'll say, yeah, I know you don't need it, but if you tell your story, you're going to save someone else's life through your song being heard by them. Oh, and now awesome. it triggers their sense of service. Right. He, oh. he, he came out here, wrote this song at the end of it. When, when we're done with the song, he broke down. He's like, I needed this. And I was like, I know you did, but I was like, so yeah, I have actually different ways. I talk to veterans depending on where they're at in their own journey of healing, whether they recognize they need it or they already know they need it. Well, that's awesome because I've heard that that's a big thing too, is that especially in the military is, you know, somebody's got it worse than me. Go help somebody else because because they got it worse than me. I have a double leg amputee who said keep saying that like I can't go like other people need it more. <laughs> How about that? Amazing. But that's a great story that once you get them going and you, and yep. you create that space that that they they can help themselves almost. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, when you start when when you started this and learned wrote your first song and everything, did you ever envision? that you would reach this point to where you are now, where you're running these big programs. I mean, it's, it's a pretty remarkable transformation. You know, what are some lessons learned along the way here? Every time I look back, like I actually had these big dreams when we first started, I remember telling our board, I would love for music to be on the like veteran created music to be on the radio or be heard by people. And so the veterans get royalties for their song to know that it's meaningful yeah. and other people heal from them. I love to have like a 24 hour art center. I started talking about all these big dreams I had and it's crazy because now that we're nine years into it and now we have a partnership with big machine records releasing music with justin moore aaron lewis Vince skill granger smith all these artists who are singing our veteran songs and then having this space in nashville that will hopefully replicate around the country i look back at the journey and i legitimately think i can't do that like i'll look at i'll look at like year two and what we went through and i'll be like there's no way i could physically do what wow. we did to get here but obviously i did it because we're here but it is a long travel journey. There was so many things that were went wrong or went right at the right times. And just all I knew was, was I focused on the root cause of it rather than just the programming of it. Right. So I think too many nonprofits get into this realm of like, let's take yoga, for example, because it's extremely helpful. It helps a lot of people. But if you're just like, yeah, yoga saves lives. So I'm just going to do yoga. Like, I'm just going to do this project yoga. It's awesome. You come in here. But what is you actually ultimately trying to do? Are you trying to stop suicide? Are you trying to, you know, lift people's lives? If it is something like what we're doing, trying to stop suicide, 
we have to start looking at those numbers and utilizing with like we use innovation we use amazon alexas to get in the homes of veterans we use uh, wow. airports with we have a portrait series in airports around the country that have uh, the photo of the veteran and then the lyric of their song and they scan the qr code and they hear their song so now they say oh wow what is this program creative ads and so we're going to the vendors where they're at to pull them out of the house That's so we awesome. use that data to make the next move when COVID hit and we had to go straight extremely virtual we just up and ran multiple programs every single day virtual on facebook live on on uh, youtube on on we did a restream program because we knew veterans would be isolated so although it wasn't our main programs and it wasn't just veterans we said it doesn't matter we need to give this to everyone and we kind of like changed when afghanistan fell all of a sudden we said okay let's change so that any afghanistan veteran interpreter person who's suffering right now from what's going on free writing sessions virtually anywhere in the world wow. so we had a bunch of people apply and they just do one-on-one -on -one sessions with the writer it's like almost like Jeez. i need someone right now we call songwriter they pair them up and so this ability to kind of adapt and move in our space based off of the data and the surroundings is so important where i think some of these legacy bigger nonprofits have so much red tape that they can't do that they see it a tragedy or something happened or new data yeah and they have to go down this whole like list of things that they can or can't do we are kind of like we we move to those and that's what's kind of made us so successful well that's a great lesson for any nonprofit leader listening is be nimble go to go to where you're serving where you can serve and be nimble to to be able to adjust to that and, and when the data changes you can change don't exactly them. When I was actually at the Bush Institute in the leadership course, I remember Rand came and they said, you know, you're 30% more likely to help the veteran if you help the spouse or caregiver a veteran. Wow. All of a sudden, our, our, um, our, um, term or what is it called? Mission statement of, you know, empower wounded veterans to heal through arts and music. Even though it doesn't say spouse or caregiver, using that data, we can now help the spouse and caregiver because the data shows it actually helps empower the veteran because they're learning the form that goes in the home with the veteran. So wow. never, never think that you can't change a program or change the way that you do things. If, if you're not, I mean, if you're not looking at data, you're not ever going to change anything. So just kind of go with that flow of, of this ever changing atmosphere. And that's why I was so into the, uh, the other day, the new data came out because it, it went very minute detail on even like the branches and the, the, the ways wow. that they did it. And even the possible, like the thing that they included, which the VA would never touch was all the overdoses and accidental deaths that actually could have been suicide, but they didn't leave a letter, but they go down into like the corner and everything to see if mm. it was, and, and even they survey some families and some other people and ask them if they think it was it was it was crazy the detail they went into and that's what makes the numbers even go higher they it's so i just love diving into that data because everything new that i learned like when i learned that uh natives and pacific islanders were one of the top you know rates of suicide then white caucasian and that keeps going down i was like well i need to develop culturally appropriate programs in the arts for natives and i so we do astrophotography now in yellowstone wow. and Big Bend because in their culture the stars are their ancestors so utilizing an art form in their culture to bring something together to hopefully stop native suicides and so wow. we're going to try as long as we have the funding we're going to keep trying to do this um this kind of like research data build program for it i love it and you know what what i find really inspiring here is that, that this is this you're on a road less traveled i mean the, the simple thing here would have been hey i found something that worked for me i'm good but instead you know where does this come from for you that instead of of just doing that you're like i got to take this out cuz i i know i can help a lot of people 
I mean, it's just after helping the first one and like completely seeing that it changed her life. And it's weird because it is hard, but it's also not that hard. Like it's legitimately a songwriting session. These songwriters in Nashville have no idea that their skill set could save a life. And so seeing how easy it's hard and easy that I don't want people to take that out of context. It's right. actually with the right veteran in the right place and anybody, it's easy to save their life just by like pouring into them. And so now when you see like the bigger picture of, oh, it's not this this type of person who's suffering. And how do we how do we duplicate that? If I was able to take my four year experience of healing and then turn a four day program into that same power healing, can I turn it into even smaller? It's almost like writing a song. You take your biggest, yeah. the biggest story you can, and you turn it into three minutes and 30 seconds. And you try to like get it to say everything you want. Yeah. I think to me, it's about that challenge of how do we reach the most veterans, but be the most impactful by it. Our nonprofit has always been, we would rather spend $10,000 on one veteran than to spend $10,000 on a thousand veterans. Because again, it's about the impact that you have on that one individual to make sure that they have every single tool to heal. Um, so yeah, that's just some of the, sorry, can I go on a tangent? But. No, that's, it's again, I find it super inspiring because like I say, the, the wide road would be, hey, I fixed myself, I'm good, I'm gonna go off and live my life. But to pour that back into, you know, serving others and serving guys that are in the similar situation, I found I find super inspiring and, and salute you for that. But, you know, really the common denominator to all of this really is the trauma that, that people experience, right? It is. And the crazy thing is that I think the way we treat them, one veteran, well, we had three veterans that went through the same exact blast. Mm. And like different injury, a corpsman, um, a guy who's in the gun and a guy who's in the truck. They had different kind of physical injuries, but they're in the same exact blast. So you mm. think like mentally they would serve them all kind of the same because they're, right. they're all there together. When they came to Nashville, they wrote three completely different songs. Isn't that something? One was about feeling left behind, uh, called Falling Through the Cracks. The other one was called Until It Feels Like Home, which meant he was just like, I walked through hell for so long, it felt like home. So that's why my family doesn't understand that. I'd rather, even though I lost my leg, I'd rather be over there right. because it's where I felt comfortable. And the last one wrote a song called, it's probably a more popular song called They Call Me Doc, which is about, he just wanted every single medical personnel to feel wanted and needed and that their service is worth it too, since they're not looked at as highly as like infantrymen. And he wrote a song to them and like all three of those healed them in those moments. But if you would have went to a doctor and they said, Here my, here's what I went through, here's my issues. They're not getting to the core root of like why you're truly suffering. They're just like, here's how to heal it because we've helped other people with the same injury. Yeah. So that's a, such a great example that it really is an, a person by person individual thing, yeah. which is why the peer to peer being able to open up with somebody in a similar situation is, is so important. But um, what what really gives you hope and keeps you excited about the, the work you're doing? I would say just all the people who are so invested and interested in even my story, kind of like this talking on a podcast, um, because even though the veteran uh, military air, like we're less and less people are going to war, but the, I feel like the trauma, if we could truly heal this trauma throughout this process with veterans and music and arts, we could heal anybody with it. So my hope is that once we dwindle away the, the veteran list that we have and we branch out to other subsections of just trauma, that one day we're going to get to, we're actually trying to do this now, prescribe music to people. So like uh -huh. you went to a psychiatrist and told them about your issues, they can actually give you a song written by someone exactly the same kind of wow. issue. So now instead of not wanting to talk about to someone without that trauma, you use that song 
as the person with trauma and you're able to open up more. So we're going down this path and I'm just so hopeful for it because you never heard one person say they don't like music. I've right? plenty of people who, like we have art programming and we have plenty of people who say I don't like art, but never heard one person say they don't like music. So like just knowing that it's something that's so universal and that you can, it could work globally and having this kind of uh, this backing of just the people who have been, lifting us up and all those networks that are telling our stories and our veteran stories is just, it, it keeps driving the hope because every time you feel like, am I doing enough? Is it all right? Something else comes up and someone wants to highlight your story and tell it. And now, you know, again, it's important and that it's still in the news and people need still need this. No doubt. Well, I, I would defy anybody to listen to the song. You can find it that they call me doc and not weep openly like I did, um, <laughs> but, but it's stunning. So, just to change gears here a little bit as, as I wind down to respect your time is tell me something that you will read, listen to, or watch today. Well, I actually already went through this whole leadership course at the Entrepreneur Society um, called The Catalyst that I'm like almost, I'm surprised I was able to talk as well as I did because I took in so much amazing information, even though it was like, they're starting from the beginning of building a business plan and we're nine years in. They gave me so much good reading from this. Uh, I wish I could remember his name right now, but with my brain injury and it's so fresh, but he's he's actually teaches the entrepreneurship uh, course at Vanderbilt University, highly regarded. Um, so I'm gonna be diving into that. And I wish I could tell you what it was, but uh, it's, it's a lot of awesome learning. <laughs> Exciting. Well, is there somebody that you would point to that's really kind of been a role model for you in, in the work that you've been doing the last nine years? You know, the one, the game changer, it's not one person, the game changer for us and creative ads and myself was actually the Bush Institute. They have a leadership program there that I got accepted to. It was a very small, I mean, we weren't anything at that time. I went from Marine to being injured to art school, to a bouncer, to executive director. I had no idea wow. what I was doing. I had no business option. I had an art degree. So for about four years as trying to run create events, it was like I would hear stuff from my board that I wouldn't feel like it was right, but they they were the board members. I don't know any of this stuff. So <laughs> yeah. having that institution, I had people like Mary Beth from um, Mission Continues, Michael Richardson from Wounded Warrior Project, Chuck Savola from, from Prudential, like, cause they had, they had people from other nonprofits. They had people, um, uh, Anne-Marie from Commit Foundation founders. They had uh, executive directors. They had finance people. They had businesses. And I was able to learn from all of them how to run an organization properly. And I had the confidence now to go to my board and say, hey, this isn't right. We're not allocating this right. Or this isn't, this isn't the way that the market's moving because here's the biggest nonprofit in the world saying this is how they do it. And so honestly, it wasn't one person and all of them are my guides still. They're still daily. Uh, Lila, I was just talking to the other day who runs a, a nonprofit for Afghan refugees who I met there who like the business acumen that they all have in the knowledge and the peer mentorship and even like the tough times when we're just having a hard time being an entrepreneur yeah. to recall on them. So I wish I could say one, but honestly, it's so many. That's fantastic. Well, this one, I always preface and say it's not a fair question, but I'll ask anyways. Do you have a favorite story that, that really kind of illustrates you know, the, the effectiveness and the power of your programs. Yeah, there's a thousand others. I mean, there's, I, there's thousands, I'm sure. No, it's so hard to, to talk about one. One is like, that always gets me emotional is, is Eva and um, 
it was just because and it's just like why what we do is so important because with the suicide rate because she went through i called her one day said hey she she spent all her time in the army and like 20 years in the army had a really good conversation flew out to nashville wrote her song amazing song called picture in the frame which you can also hear if you search creative it's on any streaming platform you could hear her song and then she went off and she started doing great things and just like you know, just staying active, nothing that was out of the ordinary to me, at least. And then all of a sudden she sends me a message and she said, Hey, uh, to say your program's life changing is understatement. It's life saving. Cause the day you called me was the day I was writing my suicide letter. Wow. And like, to me, I was like, I I just told the story yesterday for another thing that's happening. And I legitimately just broke down and just bawling because I'm like, what happens if I would have waited a day, right? Two days or a week and, and, so to talk about the importance, that's just like one little incident, but then you have you have veterans who went through our three-week art program at the school there in Chicago. And this is probably like one of the, the biggest success stories through art was he was hospitalized three different times before a program in padded rooms. Like he legitimately go crazy when uh, mm. the, it was the number three. It's so weird. Three incidents in Iraq happened to him. One of them had three farmers in it. And so for some reason that three got just embedded in his head and if he saw, he told me the story about his toaster, uh, where he walked into his house and it looked like it was really close to the wall and he measured it, it was three inches and it triggered him just from being three oh, inches and wow. started doing these equations. Fast forward, we do our three week art program and I challenge him to use equations as his art piece. And he was afraid to do it at first because the only time he does equations is when he's going crazy. But I made him like, no, you're going to do this for your project. Anyways, he now it's incredible he now shows his art at the columbus museum of art and he's wow. uh, represented by an art dealer in columbus and he teaches our veterans through our courses uh around wow. the country we fly him in to be a mentor and he, he spoke at our five-year anniversary and it was like insane to see him going from being hospitalized at the va to now teaching art at the va how cool is that that he's paying it forward through the programs that help oh exactly yeah, his big goal, he's like, I'm going to raise you a million dollars through my art or through something. He's like, I'm just going to, he's, he's like running a tab. That's so awesome. Well, last one. If anybody wants to support, learn more, get the music, where should, where can they find you? So they can go to creativets.org and make sure you only use one V. So it's like you spell out creative and then add a TS at the end of it, .org. Instagram, we're most active on. Also, our newsletter. So when you go on there, just sign up for a newsletter if you want to be really <laughs> updated on the stuff. And then stream our music. It's completely free. We have over 41 songs released. Wow. All written by veterans, for veterans and their family. We have songs to the veteran spouse, to their children, just war story songs, inspirational songs. There's songs for literally everyone who's either a veteran or, or knows a veteran. Because um, that's the easiest way to support is just streaming them music because royalties come back to us and the veteran for for listening so nice. one of the easiest ways you could do that is just stream it every morning you start it stream it listen to the great music um and you learn something too that's fabulous well i'll put all that in the show notes richard i'm terribly inspired by all the stuff you're doing it's awesome keep up the great work and and congratulations on success and cheers for more i appreciate it thank you so much 
Thanks for listening, and thanks to Richard for supplying a truckload of inspiration. This podcast was brought to you by JC Cherry and Event Services. If you're interested in how I might be able to bolster your efforts or help your team achieve its goals, I'd love to have a conversation with you. You can find me at makingourworldbetter.com. To learn more about Creative Vets and how you can support its awesome work, visit creativevets.org. That's C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E-T-S. Find them on Instagram or stream Creative Vets music on Apple Music or Spotify. Check the show notes for links. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd be grateful if you'd share it with a friend. Until next time, I hope you're inspired to find a way to make our world better. Thank you.